Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Sherrill Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 44 years of industry experience. With me in the studio today, our regular guest, Brian Call. Brian Call's a 39-year veteran in the automotive industry. Hello, Brian. Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? Fantastic. And Bill Sherrill, a guy that's been driving a long time, always has a lot of great questions. Hello, Bill. Hi, Rob. Glad to be with the group today. Nice to have you back. And bringing another perspective to the drive today, Jody Bushman of our Marshfield Tire and Service Center. Jody, it's great to have you along. Well, thanks for inviting me again. It's good to see you. Well, let's hop in, buckle up, and hit the road. Today, we're talking about communicating with your auto service specialist or how to talk shop. As with any successful relationship, clear and understandable communication is crucial for the long term. I think we'd all agree with that. Most certainly. Communication's everything. Well, let's visit the doctor's office. So, let's just say you're feeling a bit under the weather. You make an appointment. The doctor comes in and asks a few questions. He checks you over, runs a few tests, and leaves the room. Yeah, there's that big moment there that we're all familiar with, sitting in there for the longest time trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what's coming next? After 10 minutes, he returns and says, you have acute viral nasal pharyngitis, and I'm going to prescribe pseudofedrine. What? That sounds kind of scary, wouldn't you think? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I guess that's kind of shop talk. We don't know what that means necessarily, and most doctors will give it to you the way that you understand it. But in this case, in reality, you've got the common cold and you're being prescribed a decongestion. (laughs) My favorite question is, when did this start? And that we'll probably get to that about automotives, but the doctor always asks, when did it start? And you're like, I have no idea. When it started, had I known I was supposed to record it, I would have, but like, I didn't know it was going to be a problem. Absolutely. And key questions like that are just so crucial to the communication and the understanding from both sides, for sure. Well, it works both ways. We also need to communicate in a way that our auto service professional understands what we are saying as well. So another scenario I want to run by, just kind of looking at both sides of this and tying it into the automotive business, you've brought your car in to have some concerning noises checked. What's the best way to explain these concerns to the associate at the front counter? How do you do that? Is it clunk, rattle, and whirl? Or do you make the sounds? All good questions. I think, Jody, we probably hear it all, don't we? We do. As a matter of fact, I had one yesterday. All they were telling me is it's a buzzing sound. Also, I'd ask questions. Well, where's it coming from? What is this sound like a rattle? Does it, is it a buzzing? Is it a squeaking? Is it a grinding? And so you ask those questions to try to get more answers. Now, do you ask that proverbial question, like, how long has this been happening? Mm, occasionally, depending on what the issue is, especially yeah. if it's a light on. Yep. And that's a good point you make, Bill, there, to communicate to them when this is happening, whether it be on turns, over bumps, on the highway. Another good angle on this, too, is once you've had that conversation and maybe neither of you feel really comfortable as to the next direction, suggest a ride with a technician. Make that suggestion. Say, can I ride with the guy that's going to look at it? And I can point those noises out. Again, communication's everything. So they take your car in and they check it out. The service advisor locates you in the waiting area, comes back and says, two of your hangers are broke at your resonator, shifting it to the side so the cat's rubbing on the shaft. Does that make any sense? I would say I wasn't at the, I didn't think I was at the veterinarian. <laughs> I totally understand what you just said. Our tech guy here, he knows what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Jody, you gave me kind of a funny look on that one. Well, it's just kind of funny how you said it, Rob. That's all. But it's very true. Sometimes they come out there and don't realize because we've been doing it for so long, our wording versus trying to 
educate our guest. We don't try to educate them. We just say what it is instead of thinking, hey, I have to explain to them exactly what it is. Absolutely. So from your side, we really have to tell them in their own words and language that they have the common cold and need a decongestion. Absolutely. We really got to bring it back, reel it back a little bit and be more cautious or conscious, I should say, of shop talk. So it's kind of hard to make sense of that. It's okay as a guest, as a customer to say, I don't understand. And I think that that is a prime example of whether it's your physician, any provider that you go to, that if you don't feel comfortable to say, I don't understand, can you explain that to me again? And that they're not able to, it's probably not a good fit of that relationship. I would agree with that for sure. The next step in this scenario on this last story I told would be to request, can I see the problem on my car? Can you take me out to my car? And again, it's all of these different moves that can be made are just another step in a solid relationship. But if you don't feel that's going anywhere, like you said, Bill, maybe it's not the right fit. And nowadays it's acceptable. I mean, a lot of times you may not be in the waiting room because you're busy and you're back at work. Ask them to take a picture and send it to you. I mean, text you the image. I mean, nowadays it's that's very typical, I think, that if your plumber is at your house and you're not there, you know, like, show me what's the problem so I can actually see it. So let's just break this down a little bit. The last story I just threw out there in regards to the service advisor coming back and and that funny scenario, the two of your hangers are broke at your resonator. How could this have gone differently? Jody, what are your thoughts on that? You deal with this on a daily basis. Well, in a case like that, when we find especially a broken part and the guest is on our waiting area, we will actually go out there and ask them, hey, Jason, Tom, whoever, even ladies, women that come in there, we let them know, hey, I'd like to show you something on your vehicle and then take them out there and explain what it is and what it does or what's wrong. Show and tell goes a long way. Most definitely, because if you see it, you believe it. (laughs) (laughs) That is a big thing. As a car owner with your car in the shop, I urge everybody to always ask good questions. And again, that's coming back to understanding what they're saying. And it also gives the service provider an idea of your understanding level as well. So make sure you're asking good questions. Don't feel intimidated. And some of these terms can make you feel a little bit intimidated for sure. Hopefully over the period of time, if they're listening to all about the car, People have learned a little bit more and feel more comfortable in asking questions. That's why we're here. And Google is a great friend, as we all know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Jody, you kind of filled us in on the Google idea last time you were with us I on love the ride. It. I love it. When I am actually talking to guests and I don't know personally 100% exactly what it is that the part does, I will actually Google it. I'll print it off and I'll read it myself. And then I actually take it out to the guest so I can explain it a little better because those are, again, it's not a doctor term. It's actually cut and dry of exactly what it is, what it does. And at times in the business that we are in, I think somebody had mentioned just earlier here, it's easy to start talking our language because we live this every single day. We may, on the backside or in the shop, we may talk the language of some of these terms that don't make sense to the general public. So we've got to keep ourselves focused on that side of it as well. And I think so much of that relationship, whether it's your, again, physician, accountant, lawyer, whatever, an auto mechanic, that it comes back to trust and that you need to build trust with whomever you're doing business with. And I always like to say, trust, but verify that fully trusting and not asking any questions if there's a problem down the line isn't a good relationship either, that we always have to trust, but also have some verification so both sides are communicating correctly and that something isn't being missed. 
Absolutely. And again, that's the key to a long-term relationship. And and there's a lot of benefits to having a long-term relationship with your service provider as they get to know you better, you get to know them better. They get to actually know your car better as well. And they know maybe what services should be coming up in the future for maintenance. They'll know many different things about your particular car and your driving habits. Speaking of driving, as we do with every All About the Car podcast recording, we take a Wisconsin road trip. Many cool places to see in Wisconsin, and many of us have had experiences in most of the places that we've talked about, but today we are heading to Nielsville, Wisconsin, or I should say just southwest of Nielsville, to a recreation area called Levis Trove Mound. What a name. I wonder what the heck that name means, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It's a great place. It's beautiful. It's a big bump. In the countryside, or a mound, if you will. Brian, you've been there. Do you know about Levis or Tro? I don't know the history of it, how it got its name or anything like that. We went backpacking there several years ago on a weekend trip, and it was a fantastic place to hike. You get up to the top of it, you walk across this ridge, and oh gosh, I bet you can see for 30 miles out there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Based on conversations that Brian and I had earlier this year, I actually took our mountain bikes over there. They have great mountain bike trails. I've spent two separate days there on the trails, and it's quite a workout. There's a lot of hills over there, but the views are worth every minute. There's a lot of sandstone rocks at the top, real bluffy. We were there the last time in the fall, and beautiful colors, beautiful tree colors and leaves. So there's a lot to this place. During the winter, because they also have snowshoeing and cross-country skiing, and that's fantastic. There are daily rates and have passes for that on their website, if you kind of Google that, for Clark County trails and that type of thing. It's out there, but it's really very affordable for a family to go out and have a day on the trails and doing whatever for a variety of people. Absolutely. No reason to sit around the house. Get out and enjoy some of these places that we talk about. You can also check out the Levis Mound Recreation Area on our info link at allaboutthecarpodcast.com. So make sure you check it out. Make some plans to get over there. Absolutely beautiful place. And uh, pack a lunch, bring some water bottles, and you'll really enjoy yourself. Jody, is this going to be on your next weekend's visit? Uh, Well, I think it's going to be, Bill. I think it sounds pretty interesting. I'm not too sure about the hiking thing, but I think just seeing everything would be great. We can drive over, drive around the mound, and say you've been. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Great picnic area. Great facility, actually. Yeah, because uh, they have a warming room and absolutely. things like that. I read that the showers are not available during the winter months. So during the summer, there's showers even. Yeah, the water gets a little hard when it's cold. <laughs> so back to our podcast on how to talk shop. So... Really, we're talking about two different languages converging on each other here. It is a different language, the automotive service business. I've made a list here of all the terms that I had been familiar with over the years of my experience in the automotive business, and it's quite a list. And some of these things are terms that I had used as an automotive technician and we'd use between us in the shops. And now if I go back over this list and look at these words I get a big chuckle out of it, because if you look at the word standing on its own, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) What are some of them? Burnt, blued, toast, junk, blown. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a crazy movie, doesn't it? Uh, That reminds me of a story years ago. This girl I was dating, my wife now, and her (laughs) girlfriend were driving along in one of their cars, and they had a smell, and they described it as waffles and burnt toast. (laughs) 
So we hear all different <laughs> things as far as how to describe a smell or a noise. So it's interesting. It is. It's really a very colorful business. We get a lot of good conversations, but yeah, some of these words are just they're crazy. I mean, getting more into the automotive portion of it, like shimmy, drift, pull, knock, sounds crazy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But they all mean something. They all mean something to us. What are some other terms, Brian, that you've used in all your years with automotive? Gosh. As you're saying, talking about the language, I've said that for years. Technicians are talking this language and the vehicle owners are talking this language and you have to be an interpreter to find out what's going on. Talk about your map sensor, your EFI system, your PCM. That's all normal talk for us, but to translate that so that it can be understood really helps the relationship and the trust factor with the guest. If you take your time and explain exactly what a PCM is and what it does. So maybe use the term, but then explain what it is. It's a power control module. It actually takes all the inputs from the sensors to tell the car, the computer, what's going on. Then based on your input, push the gas pedal to brake. And so it tells the car what to do. So it's the brains behind the car to help clarify what PCM is. So what you've just done there is really would be an example of what's important in communication for a good relationship, to be able to explain that and not just throw out the PCM or whatever the case may be. What the heck was that thing? Exactly. In this business, you don't want to just baffle everybody with all these terms. You want to make sure you explain it in language they'll understand. I'll never forget the time that back when my uh, daughters were young and they each had their own cars and one of the daughters had a problem with their vehicle and we got it figured out at the shop and I came back home and told her that there was an issue with the throttle body. And she looked at me with just her mouth dropped open. She get, she said, is that a thing or are you just kidding me, dad? <laughs> no, that would be the muffler bearings that just don't exist. Yeah, all <laughs> right. The blinker fluid. Yep. So there's a lot of terms out there that sound funny. Groove, knock, pull, drift, shimmy, road crown, play, dog tracking. What the heck is that? You know, go to the dog park and that's, but no, that's a term for automotive. Spongy, caster, camber, toe. We've talked about alignments in recent podcasts and those are legit terms for sure. So, you know, in talking about that, we talked a lot about trust and trying to find that location or facility that I can have a long-term relationship with. What are some things that we can think of of how do people do that? So how do you find an automotive service provider that you match up with and you feel comfortable with? How do you, right, where do you start? Right, exactly, because I'm going to Google it or whatever, and there's going to be a bunch of names that show up. So what are some recommendations on how do I even approach that? Asking your family and friends mm-hmm. where they go. What kind of experience have they had around the area where they are? That will go a long way. Your family and friends won't refer you to somebody that they're not happy with. So that's a very good way to think about that. You can ask the locals, say if you're new to the area, you can ask your neighbors if you have an open communication with them, for sure. What Nowadays, else? reviews, that everybody leaves a review on sites for Yelp, Google, whatever that might be, websites of just testimonial reviews. Absolutely. Reviews are also another angle on the ask the locals, for sure. What else? What else would you use to consider the best place to go? 
I think convenience. Convenience is a big one. I may not drive 30 miles to go to the next town over to have my vehicle repaired, but there again, if they have a great reputation, maybe that might be the case. But if there's a good shop, more convenient, that's where I'll probably go. So if it's convenient for you to drop it off on the way to work, if it's in your line of traffic, if you will, or if they actually supply or provide you with a ride or a shuttle service or a loaner. Pick up and delivery. For sure. They come and get your vehicle, deliver it back while you're at work or at school. Makes a lot of sense. So convenience is a big piece of it for sure. So hopefully convenience does tie in with the comfort level that you have with the people that are working there. And I think also if you're new to a community, go in and start with an oil change or have something small done so that you experience what is the facility? What are the amenities? Do they give me a ride back? How did I get treated? I assume that there's people who come in all the time that they're the first time. Absolutely. Matter of fact, this week alone, we've actually got a couple of them that came in with our awesome oil club booklets that they got for Christmas, referring friends, family, and coming in. And then they ask, well, can we stay here? Do we have to walk around? Can we get a ride? Let them know we have do have the shuttle. We do have loaners available as well. Otherwise, yes, they're welcome to sit in our location. We've got coffee and TV so they can make themselves at home as well. So scheduling up a simple service, like you said, Bill, like an oil change is kind of a test. Let's see how it all goes. Let's try it out, I guess. During that test visit that you're doing with your oil change, pay attention to how they're treating other people, other guests that are in their facility. Listen to what they're talking about. See if you feel comfortable with what's going on. That makes a lot of sense. Just kind of, you're doing some detective work. It would be nice to be able to do that with it, doctors. It <laughs> yeah. would. Somehow Go hang around like, in the waiting area? Yeah, exactly. You know, hear what they, <laughs> in the waiting room, see how they treat me. Unfortunately, it's not the same situation. Or a dentist. You know, I mean, there's certain other facilities that you don't have that opportunity to go in and have a really small service that doesn't very (laughs) personally affect you and to get to hear how other transactions are taking place because it's being handled in a public situation. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah, those are all great suggestions in regards to how to find a service provider in your area that works with you conveniently for sure. And speaking of a service provider, we do uh, come back in our podcast most of the time, and we have a separate segment called Questions from the Counter. So again, coming back to expertise, we have compiled a list of questions, common questions that we get at our counters nearly every day. And we want to attack those and get an answer out to everybody on these common questions. So the question that we're going to approach today is, what are the pros and cons to using a more expensive full synthetic oil versus a standard blended oil? Brian, is blended oil, is that the standard these days? In most cases, it is. As newer cars are coming out, many of them are going to what's considered a full synthetic, but the standard out there is just a Plain old blended oil. What is a blended oil? Yeah, what is blended? Versus pure oil. Is this that like, would be shop talk, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, it would be. Because this is like blended scotch, a single malt scotch. <laughs> like, is this the connection here? Yes, it's exactly what it is. Your conventional oil that is refined from crude oil has been the standard for years. And as the oils evolve, they're putting more additives in it and actually adding a certain percentage of man-made synthetic oil. And the synthetic oil is something that's made that's more refined and does a better job of lubricating and protecting the components. So as time has gone on, we've gone from the standard. Give me a number. Is that the W whatever? Nope. That ties to what's called the weight of the oil. 
okay. how it flows at various temperatures. So that can be standard conventional oil, synthetic blend, or full synthetic, even with those oil viscosities is what they're called. As the engines are requiring better oils, it's gone to what's called the synthetic blend, which is partial crude oil-based oil types along with the full synthetics blended, hence the synthetic blend. My personal opinion is almost every car, the full synthetic oil is the best way to go. It is far superior. This past winter, we've had some really nasty cold weather, and that oil protects the engine so much better than a conventional or synthetic. So when I get a new car, how do I know what's actually in it? Do I know if it has a blend or straight oil or full synthetic? It's a comment I keep coming back to. Check your owner's manual. Okay. It'll tell you in there. Some cars do require full synthetic and some don't. Are we able to make that change then if it's not recommended by the owner's manual? Are we able to make that change from the blend to the full synthetic? You can go up to the full synthetic. If the car requires full synthetic, you should not go back to a conventional. So the cost on getting the oil change done with a full synthetic is higher, but you change your oil typically half as often. So in the end, the cost is about the same, but you're getting a far superior product. It's more convenient because I have to only go every six months, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's nice. Jody, does this all line up with what you live every day at the counter when the question comes across? Absolutely. We get asked every single day pretty much exactly what Brian <laughs> is describing here. And too bad we didn't have a tape for Brian so we could just play it to our guests and say, here. <laughs> we do. It's called the podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> No, we get that asset every day. I personally actually had that experience probably, give or take, about six years ago, working with the company here. I had an 06 Pontiac Grand Prix, and it did have the conventional standard oil in it. And then after working here and realizing the benefits of what synthetic would do, I actually changed all of my vehicles into synthetic. Full or blended? To the full. All right. Yep, to the full synthetic. And it actually made a big difference, I felt, driving my vehicle. And I explained exactly what Brian said. If it is, if your vehicle recommends synthetic, that you should stay that. You should not go back and forth. The other place other than the manual on a lot of the newer vehicles that we see on a daily basis is actually on the oil cap itself. It will say full synthetic or synthetic. So that is also a place to check. We do notice on these newer vehicles, it does say it on there. And the synthetic oil gets recycled along with the other oil. Yep, absolutely. It's environmentally friendly, just like the regular oil, if disposed of correctly. I really like the idea that the oil lasts twice as long. That's a great benefit to me, for sure. Yes, a true convenience. Well, we've talked a lot today about communication and making that connection with your automotive service provider. We went through a couple stories and scenarios. The doctor's story where he prescribed a really crazy sounding name prescription for you, but came back as just a decongestant. So again, talking in the manner in which the other person's going to understand. And we went through a lot of different terms and slang words that are used in the automotive industry that we hear and use every day, but knowing that we've got to explain those better. We took a side trip to Levis Mound in Nielsville, Wisconsin, where we found that we can be outside and have a great time, great road trip, and came back and talked a little bit more about our terms and the pros and cons to synthetic oil versus standard blended oil. So we covered a lot. 
So ride along with us next time when we talk about towing a camping trailer. Yes, that time is coming. Spring is on the way. Amen. Where it's all about the car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or to send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. 